Back in the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, we mentioned openings that could appeal to Jamie Chadwell. Well, one of them we've speculated on because why not call ourselves professional speculators doesn't appear to be opening up anytime soon. We address that now in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Word has come out that multiple staffers at North Carolina, though not athletic director Bubba Cunningham or the head coach himself, Mac Brown, have indicated that it does not appear Mac Brown is going to retire at the end of this season. Now, obviously, there's time for that to change. Plenty of things can pop up. We've seen this happen many, many times before. But it's worth noting because that is one of the jobs that I mentioned before could appeal to Jamie Chowell and uh, another reason for Liberty fans to take a breath and breathe a little bit easier. Number four. Michigan and the Big Ten. They were expected in court on Friday, but instead it has been determined that in one of these Spygate, Deflategate type cases, Spygate's probably the perfect comparison for this, Jim Harbaugh will sit out the remainder of his two-game suspension, meaning he will miss, well, this game Saturday against Maryland for what that's worth. And Ohio State on November 25th. As someone who may or may not have phoned a friend to get Marvin Harrison at 33-1 to to win the Heisman. Uh, That's music to my ears, Trey. Too bad they're still losing that game. You know, uh, that's the thing. Michigan can set themselves up every which way until kickoff for Jim Harbaugh. Have you heard of this bold idea that Michigan should do? What, just run the football the whole time? No, 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 no. and, And people are overblowing that. They just knew Penn State's offense was that bad. No. Uh, what what is airing tonight on uh, CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg after Tech Talk Live? It'll be Thursday night football in the NFL, featuring dun, 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 Cincinnati and Baltimore. Who's that coach? The Baltimore Ravens. His brother. And where is this game being played? It's being played in Baltimore. Well, it's playing in Maryland College Park. That's south, more outside DC. But he has a free weekend. You already had. I think their dad did was like a half, uh, was a interim coach for a half. So now you get John Harbaugh to be the interim coach for this game, and you just you know. But Jerome Moore is gonna. I mean, it's basically just three. It's like the Ryan Day situation with Urban Meyer a couple years ago. I think where when Jim goes to the NFL this offseason, that Jerome Moore is gonna be getting the head coaching job anyway. So it's getting Jerome Moore ready, uh, and when he beats Ryan Day, it's gonna be an interesting conversation in Buckeye land. That's all I got to say. In a game that you might be able to hear on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, barring Virginia Tech at UVA being the noon kickoff. Which, which is it might, the, it, I would lean towards it probably being. I think you're correct, Trey. It'll be the noon kickoff. Or the 2 uh, o'clock CW game. I think that one's actually already taken. Or so whatever. Go 6 with, o'clock t- CW? Pl- whatever. Please don't. Please put this game at noon so that I can actually make it up there in a half-decent hour. Speaking of making games, we don't know where we'll make this game for number four. Number four. Because by noon tomorrow, they will decide whether or not to play EC Glass at Jefferson Forest. Round two of high school football playoff action, including Jefferson Forest Cavalier football presented by TroceLaw.com. They are making a determination by noon tomorrow whether or not that game will be played at Sabre Stadium with the 6.30 p.m. East Coast Wings and Grill tailgate show or if they will move this game somewhere else. Uh, Truthfully, I know people want to have it at home. I understand you would rather it be in that spot, but Heritage, they are out of the playoffs right now. Flipping it to EC Glass may be deemed a little bit different, but it's not like this is a major home field location advantage for either side. If the game is played at JF, 
plenty of Glass fans can make it. If the game is played at EC Glass, or City Stadium to be particular, plenty of JF fans can make this particular game. They both play on field turf, so that's not really an issue either. I get it, familiarity, and yes, you have to flip venues, but uh, even as somebody who has broadcast Jefferson Forest Cavalier Football presented by TrostLaw.com, I do not deem that to be a big deal if that is the direction that this ends up going tomorrow or maybe even announced it later this evening. Number three. Two nuggets when it comes to NASCAR. The NASCAR family, they have mourned the loss of legendary broadcaster Ken Squire, who passed away at the age of 88. I file him under one of those old-school broadcasters for NASCAR, along with Barney Hall, also a product of the Motor Racing Network, who really laid the foundation. Squire was before my time. I really came into to loving NASCAR in the mid-90s, so I grew up more on the Barney Hall Joe Moore version of MRN and watching television as well with guys like the Dr. Jerry Punch and the crew that ESPN and yes, I'm dating myself here, TNN, the Nashville Network, happened to put together. But it still is unfortunate, but 88 years is a heck of a run for someone like Ken Squire. And it is worth getting the praise he has garnered because of what he meant to NASCAR and NASCAR broadcasting. Number two. Colin Gracie announcing that Josh Williams will drive the number 11 car in the Xfinity Series next season, NASCAR's version of AAA. Trey, I don't know about you, but I am excited to see this. This is the guy who I've deemed to be the Kenny Powers of NASCAR in that series, at least. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Which will be coming to him in greater form because he is going to a bigger organization, which presents him a greater opportunity to win that is really cool news for those of us that like underdogs and Josh Williams sticking up for the everyman as he did in Atlanta and yes, is being rewarded with a contract with a larger organization. Yeah, if you want to hear a great interview with Josh Williams, he was on the Happy Hour podcast a few months back, so check that out wherever you get your podcast. How about that? For You know, we love the plugs, Trey, certainly indeed. Just good, honest feedback, unlike... And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. Carissa Thompson, currently an NFL on Fox sideline reporter, although I might be about to say a former NFL on Fox sideline reporter. She mentioned this to a sports media property whose name I'd rather not mention because I'm not really a fan of their tactics, but plenty of people like them. Uh, it is not sitting in a tall chair, but it's sitting in something. Well, you don't have to a- watch her tonight. How about that? On, yes. With, uh, with a certain A to Z mailing service that airs games. <laughs> yeah. Certain order your Christmas gifts here service. But I think um, she does in-studio stuff now for, for that three-letter organization. Well, she does. And here's the, the truth of it. Carissa Thompson admitting that she made up NFL sideline reports. First of all, I have serious doubts that she's going to be in her role much longer. I don't know anybody. I'm not calling for her to be removed. That's a decision beyond my purview. But, you know, this is about as inexcusable as you could expect, especially for a sideline reporter. I mean, I get it. There's one thing to keep things confidential, but there's another thing to flat out make up information that's not truly there. And especially when it's a larger network where you're granted privileges and sideline access that you get as a larger TV network, a larger radio network. We broadcast plenty of games from Compass Media Networks, Sports USA, and Westwood One. Or you're part of the home team or the away team broadcast. It's part of the, the territory. It's the ability to discern that information and the ability to cultivate the right source to get certain information, even if it's not a knee, ankle, 
or shoulder injury, it's an upper body or a lower body injury, just providing some context is worthwhile. And most notably, we champion female sports and females being in sports here in the fast lane in a way that a lot of male-centric sports media platforms would rather not do. Um, plenty of female reporters have come out vitriolic and criticizing Carissa Thompson for saying she completely made up NFL sideline reports. And I get it because they're right. It's hard to gain acceptance for that job anyway. With all due respect to the female sideline reporters, I, I don't really care much about what... Uh, Pre-game, halftime, in-game interviews, or maybe post-game is different when the emotion is different. But anything before post-game, sideline coverage, there's not much value I gain from that. And that's not my opinion as a male chauvinist. I got that from Marty Smith, also a guest a few weeks ago in the Happy Hour podcast, by the way. That was the Bring um, the Heat podcast. The Bring, sorry, but I get them all confused. Same Just podcast feed, same podcast feed. Front Stretch Podcast Network, whatever. He was on there a couple of weeks ago, and... He was the one who enlightened me on the idea that that's one of the toughest jobs because there's so much surface-level, superficial information, and it's hard to get really in-depth, which if you know Marty Smith, you know he would rather get in-depth than anything, and it's hard to do it in the sideline job. So the people that do that job and do it well, it's really hard to pull that off, and I completely understand their frustration with something that Carissa Thompson already said. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. So a couple of bits of feedback that have come in. One of these has come from Sue. She asked this question, and we got this from our guy, Lynn. Yes, the poor guy at Liberty University who's had to hear me moan about Texas Motor Speedway plenty of times. Uh, But both of them asking me about what what we think of Jamestown giving up 104 points, losing to Phoebus 104 to nothing in the opening round of the VHSL 4A to me, Class 4 to them officially playoff action, where yes, Jefferson Forest, EC Glass, or more likely Salem, could end up meeting a school like Phoebus in the state championship game at Liberty University in a couple of weeks. So here's the thing. I have heard from multiple people, and Ben Cates even brought this up Tuesday in the Fast Lane. The interview's up Fast Lane, Ed Lane, wherever you listen to podcasts, because, of course, I got receipts. I got receipts. Darn right. Or as a unit, we keep receipts. And guess what? We keep receipts. At Fast Lane, Ed Lane, when you listen to podcasts. And he brought it up that in that area, it's a lot different. When you're talking about pedal to the metal, never letting up, the idea of players getting recruited off of rosters, not that that doesn't happen here, but I think it's more prevalent uh, in the 757, the Virginia Beach, Tidewater, Norfolk, Newport News area than it even is in Central and Southwest Virginia. So I'll give Ben a lot of credence, and I'll give credence to another friend of ours, Matt, who brought up the point as well, that you have to take that into consideration with why a school like Phoebus would just keep scoring and scoring and scoring. Here's where I differ on that, though. There is a way around that. You can do what other schools have done. First of all, I get VHSL officials were upset because I've seen it at a couple of games where it's been a running clock and it's been such a blowout. The clock has continued to run during commercial breaks, after timeouts, uh, after turnovers on downs or after scores. And while that's technically not supposed to happen, pardon me, but screw the rule book when it's a blowout like that. Do we really need to keep watching a game longer when it's clearly that obvious in doubt? And I saw it with Liberty High School included this year. And I mean, with all due respect to the players that were trying hard and the coaches that were trying hard, uh, I mean, come on. We we don't need to see whether a team's going to get to 100 or whether they can win 50 to nothing. But there's a way around running the score up on other people. And I don't even buy the recruitment part of this. You mean to tell me a school like LCA, which has put... Kids at North Carolina, top 100 offensive tackle, Zach Rice. Kids at Virginia, quarterback turned defensive back, Davis Lane. No relation. Spells his name the right way, though. Ethan, 
the uh, right tackle for Liberty, or for LCA. And then the running back, Gideon Davidson, as well. God, I don't know what the right tackle's name is, Casey. But whatever. Two guys going to Clemson this year. They can get up 35 nothing and immediately go into bleed the clock mode and get out of there. Clearly, it has not hurt their ability to acquire talent and then develop talent to the next level and show they can put those type of players on a roster. Salem, for crying out loud. They've got twin brothers at Virginia Tech. They put players oftentimes at schools like VMI, Richmond, JMU, and others here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. They have got two more Division I recruits on the roster this year, one of whom is going to Tennessee as a top 100 running back. The other is going to Georgia. Yes, that Georgia. Yes, potentially three-time national champion Georgia if they win the college football playoff, which they're now the odds-on favor to do this year. Still picking Michigan. But here's the thing. Salem has also done what LCA's done. They get up by, I don't know, 42 to nothing. And they don't need to keep running it up, even with the backups. You bring the backups in to get them reps. You help them run your offense. But you don't have to go breakneck speed, tempo, throw the football all over the yard. You can get much more creative in the plays that you call. So it makes me wonder in a spot like this, with what we saw with Phoebus running it up on Jamestown 104 to nothing this past week. It, it, like, it makes me wonder, do you have a coaching staff where they're just looking to create an edge and do something like that so that then people are mad at them and then they can be fired up for the remainder of the postseason? I mean, I don't know why you would need that when it's the playoffs and you need some kind of an edge. I mean, in the regular season, I get it. You're, you're looking for different slights and edges. In the playoffs, I mean, do you really anything more other than the fact that, dude, it's a playoff game. We got to lock in. We got a chance to do something really special. And, and here's the other parts of this argument about what they did. The only explanation I can personally see is the defense. If the players were trash-talking each other, Jamestown's players, that's part of the game. If the players for Jamestown were trash-talking the coaches, that's part of the game. If the Jamestown coaches were trash-talking the FIBA's players or the FIBA's coaches, okay, now I can understand why you might run the score up. And if that happened, I get it. But otherwise, I don't get this, Trey, because I've seen a lot of high school football. You've seen it before. You're from the Richmond area. Highland Springs is a very successful program. And you can uh, win best games. In the state. You, they're, I think, number five, according to some rankings. But whatever. They are one of the top programs in the state regularly. I have to say that. I may or may not have family on the coaching staff. So they're the best in the state. Hey, you know, you're allowed to say that, Trey. We 100% agree with that. Yeah. Um. Part of me always thinks with this is like, I mean, we saw this situation in college this past weekend with Tennessee-Missouri. Like, Missouri got their revenge this year because Tennessee obviously scored that late touchdown against them the year before. Uh, there's the video of Eli Drinkwitz going like, this is how I handle my business, or whatever he said to Josh Heupel. Uh, yeah, 104 is a lot. Um, and Phoebus is one of the best programs in the state. Uh, so, it... <sighs> It could be you have an offensive philosophy of just tempo, 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 and you're executing, and you know the other team could stop you. It's a playoff game, um, but yeah, I think they're they're probably needed to be a little bit more self-aware. But at the end of the day, I'd rather have a coach that's aggressive all the time, and then not enough. So I'd rather see this happen than like watch an Iowa game. I know that's a, a college example, but. You know, I, mean, I, I get that example. Super duper duper. I'd rather be super super aggressive than super super conservative. I, I do understand that, and I'm all for getting a sizable lead and making sure there's absolutely no doubt that you're going to win the game. And you this might have gone too far. I will. I will say that. But 
Liberty is as bad of a... Look, I'll be blunt. Liberty is as bad of a high school football team as I've seen in the last 10 to 15 years. I remember some horrible teams at Patrick County High School when I was down in the Martinsville Southside area. Um, They're better now. But I've seen some really bad teams. Liberty did not score until the final game of the season against Amherst when that game was a blowout and well in hand. And guess what? Liberty never gave up 100 points. Everybody that played Liberty found a way to at least get out of that game. Some yeah, but Liberty also, didn't play as well of a team as this Phoebus team. I get it, but you could make a very compelling case that LCA, who played Liberty this year, is fairly close. I get LCA may not be Phoebus, but when you have a right tackle going to Clemson and a running back going to Clemson, and they're both top 100 recruits, and they are juniors, yes, you have a talented enough team that LCA could have lit up 100 on Liberty if they really wanted to when they went over the 50-point threshold a couple of times this year outside of that game. So it is possible that that could have happened. It's knowing when to just say enough is enough and call plays, get the heck out of there, and frankly, it's smart business as well as a coach, a coaching staff, to not expose your players to more hits and the greater potential for injury risk. So we appreciate the feedback on that. Uh, we've also got a little bit of feedback that's come in on Jamie Chabba. We'll try to get to that tomorrow in the fast lane. But when we return... Friend of ours, Brett Friedlander of SaturdayRoad.com will help us look ahead to NC State Virginia Tech and we'll ask the question everyone wants to hear us ask and be answered. Will Virginia Tech win the ACC championship like they could if, uh, if they still have a chance to? The real you know, hard-hitting questions. Uh, you know, I've got a better one when we return here in the fast lane.